Hey, Adam. Yeah. Do I sound like Jacob Collier? No. I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. <laughs> Day two of our Jacob Collier Tribute Festival. Why would we do this? <laughs> Propped up next to like this great genius of harmony and stuff. And here we are trying to... We sound like, we sound like <laughs> Jacob, get the hell out of here. <laughs> well, how could people possibly be able to listen to his music while they're online? That would be so difficult. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. To compare us. Shout out to YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Keep on streaming. All right. What are we talking about today? Oh, uh, man, I got to look we it up. We forgot to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we just decided, like, let's just do our... Oh, we're talking about fingering today. So oh, good fingering. a bit of a, of, a, of a piano for the piano couple of days here for the last yep. couple of days. We get asked about fingering, like, every day. I get an email right. from someone about fingering. And, y'all, I'm not saying don't send me emails about fingering. I feel like you're about to say don't send them. But stop sending me fingering. <laughs> I knew it. No, we, I want to I keep on a regular pace of just trying to clear things up about fingering. Right. Because Maybe we could... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, no. I, I feel like having good fingering is certainly important. Yeah. But for a jazz pianist, it is not the most crucial. Like, it's really crucial for you to have a good foundation of fingering that you can improvise on so that yeah. you get a good sound. Yeah. It is not crucial for you to find the best fingering for every scale that you possibly could play. And actually, it's going to hurt you in improvising because yes. the idea is more important right. than the fingering. Now, you want to form good habits, and hopefully today we can talk about some things you can do to, to kind of get a good foundation of fingering yep. on the piano, on the keyboard, before you do bad habits, right? And yep. there are just a few rules that if you follow, you're going to have decent fingering. Yeah, I mean, I th I think this really falls into the area of um, learn what not to do instead of worrying so much about what to do. For so sure. if you think about, like, what is the perfect fingering, um, that's the kind of what would you do. And, and you can sort of de-emphasize that even in your practice um, because, you know, it's sort of a, a concept that you have to adopt first because we're doing so much improvising like that's that's the main thing conceptually we have to think about this okay well we say you know it's like when people come up to us after the gig to any jazz musician wow that was so cool how much of that was improvised and you it's interesting like you'll hear wildly different um estimates of that like mm. i usually say like 80 percent. not that i ever like studied it it just was a i like 80 you yeah. know i like the 80 20 rule whatever but i mean is it 60 is it 30 or 90 i really don't actually know i mean it's very hard to tell we're doing partly because where do you draw the line between improvising yeah. and playing things that you kind of i was gonna say it's also not that important it's not that important and and i mean but the idea from us from for a pianist and i can't really speak to other instruments except for the uniqueness of the piano and how fingering, the interplay of fingering with what our technical challenges on the instrument are. Um, I know there's other instruments that do have, that fingering's a big part of it. Um, but then again, you think about certain instruments where there's very few um, different options for fingering. I'm thinking like trumpet. I mean, yeah, there's a few alternate fingerings for some things, but you're kind of locked into saxophone, what it is. Saxophone, the keys saxophone. are all right there. Yeah, I mean, there's a few alternate ones, whatever. Again, you're not going to change your... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even And then you get into string instruments... 
you know, fingering does because, like, what position are you going to play it in? But still, like, not as many. I mean, like, this is just a massive thing. That's why we're getting so many questions. That's why people do get hung up on it. But hopefully this concept of thinking about some core principles that we can go through today about what not to do when your fingering can help. Because then you can look back at, like, a video or, yeah, I guess it would have to be a video because audio, it's hard to see what fingerings you're playing. But, you know, even as you're practicing, but even better – See how you do in real performance, even if that's just putting your phone up and recording yourself playing without thinking about the fingering, because that's really the only way you're going to know. It's hard to look at that and be like, did I play all the right fingering? Because you don't have that set up, but you can look at, do I have some bad habits that I'm playing some of these principles that we can go through today? For sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, for most of this probably stems from how important fingering is for most classical players. Mm. And I think even great classical players would tell you that it's not as important as most people put emphasis on. But I think a lot of people learn classical piano, not even so much by the notes, but by the fingering. Right. You, you memorize a piece. I mean, I remember memorizing a Chopin nocturne. Chopin? Chopin strictly by the fingering. Like I remember, like I can still remember the fingering of the nocturne. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, And I probably couldn't tell you the notes I was playing, but once I got going, it just happens, right? Right. Um, So that that I think is what's part of this and driving this. But in jazz, it's totally different. But do you think it's kind of the thing of like sort of a mindset as you mature and become more experienced too? Because, like you said, you know, it doesn't matter as much. Like, okay, say you're just starting out. Um, you know, running, you, you know, there's a couple ways to approach. It could be like, I'm just going to go out and run. Yep. But then there's another way to be like, okay, I need to get the perfect shoes. I need to get the perfect short. Like I have to get everything right before I go and run. Like if you look at it running as the improvisation and the equipment being kind of like the fingering. So yeah, if you're just so totally reckless, like I'm going to go out and run and you're in your underwear and you don't have any shoes on, you just go out and start running. You might cut yourself on glass or whatever. But then there's the other extreme of like, I'm not going to even go out to run until I have everything lined up. I know that the shoes fit right. I know that they've been, have the best reviews. I know everything. Right. And so I think Just go out, go out and run. Go out and run. But, but pay a little bit of attention to having at least the minimal gear. And then you can up your gear later as you get better. I would even think it's not even the, the right analogy is not even gear, but maybe like in running, especially your gait and where your foot strikes on the pavement. You know, yeah. like, like I, I don't know, know what's that, what that's called. Uh, your gait and foot strike. Is it your gait yeah. and foot strike? Yeah. I'm good, man. Your foot so strike. Good. No, but you know, like, so... I don't know if that's true. Actually. I don't either. Yeah. But the follow through on your leg when you're running, all, yeah. especially the mechanics, the mechanics of, yeah. of your stride, all these things, what you're doing with your arms, all these things are super crucial for long distance running, but you can't get there unless you just go out and run. But even those, a lot of those are broken down, down into more of the what not to do. Right. You know, like, don't let your arms flare, flare around don't pronate your foot and those kind of things and like really good running coaches will focus on those because you know the more in touch we can be and i really believe this is the same on the piano with fingering the more we're in touch with the the core natural almost like instinctual type of habits totally the better the more we get into like oh i have to do something that's awkward because that's the right fingering no everything that we we do in whatever rules that we do talk about we might talk about a few but along the lines of don't do this so that's a rule but that should all be with the end result the goal is that you're playing the instrument in the most natural way for for 
really human body type, but your particular body type, we have to you, know, you always have to think about that a little bit. Different length arms, fingers, all that kind of stuff comes into play. But the idea of it being the most natural positioning of your fingers, your hands, your arms, your shoulders, your body, your butt, yeah. your feet on the all that kind of stuff is as natural as possible. And so the fingering, because there is a choice of how to finger a certain phrase, you don't really have a, I mean, yeah, you have a choice of how you consider whatever, but once you're there, you're there. The fingering can, you know, kind of have an outsized uh, influence on what the end result of the piano technique is. That's a really good point. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Whoa, okay. <laughs> no, so now I'm, you got me thinking more about the physio ph physiological uh, aspect of this, and I think yeah. it, it makes a lot of sense. Let's talk a little bit about some of that physicality. So, yeah. I see you got the. I see you brought the bear paws with you. I got my bear paws <laughs> out right here. So you know, our hand is actually it's kind of broken into two parts. Yeah, and and there's two different. I don't know if you the thumb and everything else. <laughs> well, kind of. No, it's these three, right? It's the thumb, the first finger, and the middle finger. Finger. Mm. It's my understanding. This one. Oh, oh sorry. Whoa. wow. <laughs> Hello. He just flipped me off like an angry St. <laughs> Louis driver in 44 traffic. Far, far. Uh, so this, this, these front, it's my understanding that these, these are connected to a tendon, like mm -hmm. ultimately to here. Right. Right. And then these two, the pinky and the ring finger actually are on a different strain back to here mm. on the, on our back. So the front is kind of connected to our chest. Never knew that. I, that's what some pianist told me in New York a long, long time ago. That could be total BS. Right. So if there's a physician in is the house, a drunken pianist in front of Bradley's on University, kind at 3 of. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but there is, and you've however, been running with that ever since. Huh? No, there is in, just in piano technique in general this discussion that between the third and the fourth finger yeah, is sure. where the real cutoff is. Right, you can feel that. You can feel that's the yeah. most difficult. If, if we're if we're practicing our trills, which by the way is a great technical yeah. exercise to do. Oh, that's always fun. The three four trill. The three four trill is is by far the most. It makes you cringe. It feels like you're climbing the rope in gym class it just feels awkward <laughs> right more so even in the four or five right so that's it's known as the rope burn of fingering exercises <laughs> rope burn. but that that's just one thing to consider when we're when we're improvising a, a phrase you know you don't see a lot of uh going from one all the way up to five right in one things not to do right <laughs> right no i'm even talking about just going da 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 like oh. one two three four five you know what I mean? Like that's right. not as strong as crossing over exactly. at some point. You know? But then we're, we're going to get it. So that's a good no-no. But also a good no-no is we don't want to take this to the extreme and like. Just only use three fingers. Yeah. yeah, totally. And I see a lot of, I mean, actually, I see a lot of good players do it. So I shouldn't say don't because they, you can pull this off, but you're going to be at a disadvantage. That's more like players that I've seen. I think they didn't get some good fingering ingrained in them early and kind of pulled things together. I think you're always going to be a little bit limited, depending on what you play, though. Yeah. If you stay in the right keys and, and the right and, and you've got the right spirit and, and knowledge of music otherwise, you can pull it off amazingly well. For sure. But it's the same thing of, like, you know, somebody going out and... and um, no, you don't play like that. <laughs> I kind of do, actually. Well, I mean, we all do it at times, yeah. No, but I, I, I'm not as bad as some people as far as like just the three fingers, but yeah. you can make it work if you're a good musician. Right. But I think what I see good players, including you do, is between the third and the fourth or even the third and the five on a phrase, it's mm. more of a pivot, right, mm -hmm. than, than going three, four, three, four, three, four. Like, yeah. like you'll go, you can go between the four and the one yeah. as like a, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to the three and the four. There's something about that yeah. that relationship that's just terrible. So that's something not to do. Well, I mean, I even, I'm just thinking like, I mean, we, look, we could do 10 episodes on this. For sure. Maybe we'll make a course, fingering course. Well, that? we're about to do a jazz piano technique course coming jazz soon. Jazz piano coming soon. Copyright. Okay. So, <clears throat> but I'm just thinking there are definitely times when I, 
like where I'll use the four even when I could use the three or even two, which seemingly, you know, easier or more natural, stronger fingers to use because I want to get that sound. Because I think no matter how much you do in terms of independence work, equalization work, your fingers are what they are. Mainly, I, I always think about from a conceptual standpoint, it's like the thumb and everything else. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's like it's just so short and you have to it's such a different angle that you're using it with. But even like the four, like I like using the four at times, like ballads and different things, because it's got sort of a I don't know, it, it just for me, the feel of it can really be advantageous. But it's I think it's it's all about like developing <clears throat> a complete piano technique is about you know, learning how these things are different and how they feel yeah. and, and, and like how your particular body and everybody is different and there's advantages and disadvantages, but we can always use those for the musical output that we want to use it for as opposed to just kind of falling into, well, I'm stuck with whatever and, yeah. and I got, I'm forced into that. I think the key is to really just consider this when you're practicing. Yeah. You know, if you don't ever think about this, then it, it, you're going to have shit. fingering. Let's be mm -hmm. honest here. You have to at least like experiment S-bomb dropped. Sorry. Love it. Oh, sorry, sorry, but it's, <laughs> it's true. Uh, I also like the four because you can kind of slap it. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, the, yeah. the angle of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because like the three really should be, but, but I'm hitting that four on all those beats. There's a little pronation of your wrist you can kind of get into. So let's talk about the five. I had someone write in. Let's, and not, be afraid of, let's not be afraid of the five. I had the someone write and say that they 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 were taught in classical piano never use the five unless you're ending the phrase. And Are I you afraid like, of the five, Ryan? I just saw you checking your five up. You're not afraid of it. He ain't afraid of the five. Oh, he's dead. He just said he's deathly afraid of the five. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got to work yeah. on that five, man. Yeah, yeah. But it does take. I mean, it, it it takes longer no matter what. Like even when you're like, okay, I'm not going to be afraid of it. It takes time and like effort on it. You can speed it up though by doing. You, I mean, really just scale practice and um, you know. I think learning solos, that was always a good time for me to work on. Like I had a lot of good classical fingering because I had just an amazing teacher like when I was coming up, especially in like middle school, high school, Jane Allen, RIP, just, I mean, and like a really acute sense of how to teach fingering and the importance of it, but, but totally within the classical world. Mm -hmm. So it was really up to me to kind of, you know, um, you, you can't just take that into jazz. And a lot right. of times people are like, oh, well, you had all the classical things. So you had a, it's like, yeah, of course, that's a great foundation. But applying it is different. I mean, the phrasing, the, the way we have to get it's the instrument totally to different. Sound. It's actually a whole different piano sound, really. It is, and you hear, yeah. when, you, when I hear a classical player play legato, I'm like, well, that's a sound you rarely hear in jazz. Right, you right, know? right, right. It really is truly its own thing. And look, the sound, I mean, and that's the crux of it. The sound we're getting, the phrasing, the, the musicality that we can pull out of this beautiful... M audio. Oh God! <laughs> you know, but I mean, any keyboard instrument or piano, or whatever. I I gotta stop hating on keyboards. I I don't want to drop a certain name, but I, I think we talked about this last week. But because we are now part of the official backup band to Michael McDonald, because we worked with him, and you know, oh yeah, the, I keep forgetting about I that. I keep game. forgetting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, you know what? Minute by minute, this keeps coming back to me. No, but the idea, like he sat at that keyboard. It was, and now it was not a key station. It was a very good, very good keyboard, but still, it wasn't a piano. And there was a no. Steinway nine foot that I was playing behind him and that you were playing yeah um that you know he could have gone over to and he was basically but i mean he brought he pulled music out of that so we got to stop hating on all these all these i mean they're, they're all keyboards right and the fingering principles apply fingering principles apply to everything Equally. even melodicas and somewhat accordions all right so let's Melodica get out here or melodica 
Melodica. Oh, Maybe okay. Melodica. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> let's Before we get out of here, let's actually give some good fingering advice because I feel like we've been Dude, talking we've about we've been doing that the whole time. Have what are we? talking about? Yeah. All right, so let's talk more about the physiology of our hands. If you notice... Really? We have at, at, at minute 12 of the episode, you want to talk about the physiology? We got it. We're going, okay. This is how we're going to go out. So you might notice on your hand, if you hold your hand out in front yeah. of you, are we... Yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we have three He's fingers. To touch. Did you notice that? He didn't want to touch. Man. We have three He's fingers that are... hugger, are Okay. You? <laughs> we have three fingers that are roughly the same size. They're longer, right in the right. middle. And then we have the two on the outside that are notably shorter, especially the thumb. We all have that, except Adam has a bear paw. <laughs> I do have a bear paw. I can't pick anything up without <laughs> spilling it. Okay. So luckily, the geniuses who invented the keyboard, mm-hmm. um, you might notice that there's two different uh, sort of uh, uh, levels levels yeah. of the keyboard depth. here. There's depth in it, right? The black and keys, they even color coded it for us. Yeah, the black keys are short and the white keys are long. Henceforth, your outer fingers, your thumb and your pinky, you should really try to avoid black keys on those. And that's right. not saying that you always will. I play black keys on my thumb and my pinky every single time I play. I'm right. sure I do. Depending on what county you're in and what state, right? You got to be <laughs> yeah. careful about that. But in general, it's not going to be, you're going to have to reach, you're going to have to get a little bit, especially yeah. for your thumb. You're going to have to get out of position. You know, right. if, if you do anything in G flat, if you try to do like an E flat minor pentatonic scale, right? you see how much that pushes you out of position, it kind of pushes you forward in the keyboard a little right. bit. You know, But you can also, that's important, moving the wrist up. Right. An important part of fingering is like getting into that position. I actually find that one easier than, than something that's more like. That you're having to go in and in out, and out. Possibly, right? Exactly. You know? That's the e, that's why I mentioned the E flat minor or pentatonic scale is because you can really get a sense of where comfort comf, comfortable feels right. with your b- thumb on a black key is actually way forward yeah. than if you try to do like a a C uh, C minor pentatonic and put the a B flat on your thumb. Right. Try that right now if you don't mind. I don't even know D, how you do this. D flat. Put the do a C minor pentatonic and yeah. try to put the B flat. On your thumb. Oh, that's not legal, man. What are you talking about? That's I can't what I'm even saying. Do, I physically can't. Do it's it. hard, right? A B flat on the thumb. See what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's horrible. That's an example of what not to do. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of like a time when you'd be forced into that. If you did, you've got to be like what I would do. And even then, you could do that. But if I did that, no and problem. You, see, you, you shove in about three inches there. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not shoving at the last minute. I'm shoving. Yeah. Like, I'm going in that, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm preparing for it. And listen, we all have to do this occasionally, especially if we're improvising and we're hearing something that is, and, and like, we see it coming. You know what I mean? You could see it coming. You're like, oh, And snap. most of this is going to, you got to wait for the chorus for this. But I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a teaser on this, you two. And that is you, like, if you do that, little pro tip, instead of going... Like normally we want to be a little bit bent. I mean, there's different concepts on that with the thumb. But if you're doing this kind of thing and you're forced into that, go back on that. Banana thumb. Banana thumb. I like it. Yeah. Reverse banana. Reverse. Chiquita. Chiquita. Banana Chiquita. Thumb. Ooh. But then you're up's bad if you mess that part up. It's not great. But that that way you got less chance of you know slipping, cacking, as the horn players call it. One other thing that I'll say, and this goes along with, um, and this is something I learned from you after you introduced me to the McFerrin Scale and Arpeggio Manual, which Very dogmatic book. Ryan put a link to the McFerrin Scale and Arpeggio Manual yes. here in the description. This is like uh, the Bible, as yep. they say in the Ozarks, yep. for <laughs> for fingering on the piano. And one thing that's Although on there, in the Ozarks, I'm pretty sure whenever they use the word Bible, they're talking about the Holy Bible, King James version, not the McFerrin. But gotcha. Yeah. Right. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> uh, but one thing that I noticed when you do, let's say you do scales and octaves, which is an important 
exercise to do. If you're not practicing your scales in octaves, double, you're double. not getting some really good workout from bigger muscles on your That's arms. Right. It's something to practice. So if mm. you do a chromatic scale in octaves, you really get, you see in the McFerrin scale and arpeggio manual that that D flat, if you start on C, the D flat, the very next one up is not thumb and pinky. No. It's thumb and fourth finger. Right. So that you can get a more arpeggiated, arpeggi yeah. or legato sound. Now, can every, I think everybody can reach that, even if you're of the, the reach challenge, Most right? Most adults can yeah. reach that, yeah. Not everybody, but... Yeah. But you know what? If you can't, just shed that. Yeah. If, if, if you have to do pinky, you have to do pinky. But if you yeah. can reach that fourth, that... But this has been a real game changer for me. Game changer. Oh, that was a hit. Because uh, it just has made my octave playing so much more smooth. Yeah. You know, and that fingering thing can... And it's a great example of how fingering can make a huge difference in your sound. It can. You know? It really can. I mean, I, we, we can't overemphasize that enough, and we can't do it total justice in this episode, but pianist you know shed your fingering realize that it's just a part i mean it's like a trumpet player that works on embouchure how, how much time do we have to spend on embouchure as pianists zero zero yeah. okay so we but we need to spend that time on something else right and that is fingering That's that true. is that we, this is known as the embouchure of piano playing this is good i think this is maybe the third or fourth episode we've done on fingering but i think it's good to reiterate because nice. i still get emails yeah <laughs> i know no absolutely always good stuff so um do we have any housekeeping oh show them the practice journal because if you would start working on some fingering or work through our coming um tech you know what? maybe we'll do we need to get back to our specials for the you'll hear it listeners and especially for the you'll hear premium listeners and we encourage you to go to you'll hear it.com um and check out our premium offering and uh, we've got some fun stuff happening over there but we're gonna do some giveaways yeah we've already done some giveaways we should do some giveaways do with some the practice more. journal you know people have been loving the practice journal been Absolutely. selling a bunch I of get them one. i keep trying to grab one but everyone if you've bought me uh, if you've bought a practice journal it's coming show soon. us yeah. yeah no uh and you've already started to practice in it and you're f you're filling out the pages send us a pic we want to see how you're practicing with the practice that's journal. right Ooh, i like that it's kind of a challenge it's a little bit of a like show us your because yeah. we're not asking for an on like you've well, done one day and it's, then you gave it's up. set up as like a weekly practice calendar so you should have it kind of filled out within a week like a little, one of those pages a little account accountability a nice welcome from adam i would say this is a welcoming welcome did you it know is. you had this yeah yeah i wrote it for you well i mean that's all no, my good kidding. stuff is uh but it's good you want to do some string arrangements later yeah let's do it um and until tomorrow you'll hear it <laughs>